1: And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 575. Well, if you follow our show on Facebook, you will have seen a photo of this bird in flight. It's the whooping crane. An endangered bird... One of just two crane species in North America, along with the sandhill Crane. After being pushed to the brink of extinction by unregulated hunting and habitat loss, the Whooping Crane has been aided by conservation efforts that have led to a limited recovery. On today's show, we'll hear a little bit of good news about how conservation and restoration efforts are proceeding. Meanwhile, we know we have to have roads to get to point B from point A. But we also know that we can't create new roads without having an impact on wildlife, including, of course, birds, which have been experiencing a general decline in population for decades now. When we build a road through a forest, we cause direct habitat loss. We put animals at risk of being hit by vehicles. We increase air pollution, and we fragment animal habitats, creating easier access for non-human predators and for humans conducting hunting and logging and other potentially unsustainable activities. And now a study study at the University of Florida suggests that roads have another negative impact on birds. Here in North America, many bird and mammal species, it turns out, rely on information from... the tufted titmouse. Uh, Meanwhile, other birds, uh, like this one, yeah, that would be the northern cardinal, use the titmouse's calls to detect and respond to predators. And so information networks form around the sound. But what if the birds can't hear that sound as when they are exposed to too much of this one? Well, the new study suggests that the noise of highways keeps birds from hearing warnings from fellow birds about predators in the area. That puts them at a higher risk of being eaten. Researchers say it's also possible the birds are hearing the alarms but are too distracted by... the noise, the noise... to respond to them and that the impact of the highway noise may help to explain patterns of reduced biodiversity near roadways. Researchers are careful to point out they haven't established a direct cause and effect that the idea of highway noise disrupts alarm calls, but it is a compelling possibility. Maybe when we're all driving electric cars, the birds will catch a break. Well, yesterday, May 14th, was International Migratory Bird Day, highlighting and celebrating the migration of the nearly 350 species of birds between nesting habitats in North America and wintering grounds in Latin America, Mexico, and the Caribbean. The day is actually celebrated on different dates across the Western Hemisphere, in October in Latin America and the Caribbean, for example. And by the way, we're thrilled to learn that one of the coffee roasts from our friends at Birds and Beans, their American Red Start roast, has been chosen as the official coffee of International Migratory Bird Day. A little round of applause there for our friends at uh, Birds and Beans. We're we're kind of thrilled to hear about this because we're big fans of Birds and Beans around here. And simply because drinking their coffee, believe it or not, can actually do a lot to help migratory birds survive. And that's because the coffee is grown in the natural way in the shade, preserving bird habitats that are otherwise destroyed by the mass farming of sun-grown coffee which is what you'll typically find at your supermarket. So we always urge our listeners to join us in drinking shade-grown coffee. Just look for look on the label when you buy coffee and see if you find that shade-grown there. Congratulations to the makers of birds and beans coffee, especially that American Red Start roast official coffee of International Migratory Bird Day. Oh. On our Talking Birds blog this week, the question is... Should we mess with Mother Nature in order to save endangered birds in Hawaii and get rid of mosquitoes in the process? Seems like a pretty good idea. That's on this week's blog written by our own Debbie Bleacher and easily found on our website, talkingbirds.com. Our conservation salute of the week goes to English adventurer Lizzie Carr who has set off on a three-week-long stand-up paddleboard journey to raise awareness about plastic pollution, an enormous and growing problem. Every year, millions of tons of plastic are being dumped into our oceans, fouling our beaches, killing fish, killing birds, ultimately doing who knows what to humans through all the toxins being released by those plastics. If she's successful, Lizzie Carr will be the first person to paddleboard the approximately 400 mile length of the coast of England. Good luck. Lizzie, we salute you. Well, just two weeks from now, on Sunday, May 29th, we'll be broadcasting our Talkin' Bird show live from the second annual L.L. Bean Birding Festival, presented in cooperation with Maine Audubon. If you're within walking, driving, flying, or peddling distance or paddleboarding distance of Freeport, Maine, we hope you'll join us for the broadcast, 9.30 to 10 a.m. on the 29th, right by the big L.L. Bean boot at the flagship store in Freeport. And now for a little more about that festival and other things worth knowing about. We hereby present this morning's edition of our Charlotte's Weblog. With Charlotte Wesselick, made possible by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLbean.com Good morning,
3: Charlotte.
4: Good morning, Ray. The second annual L.L. Bean Birding Festival is quickly approaching. Held in partnership with Maine Audubon, it is the perfect introductory birding festival with speakers including Tim Gallagher, editor-in-chief of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Living Bird magazine, as well as workshops and guided birding walks. The festival takes place in Freeport, Maine from May 27th to the 29th and the event is free. You can find more about the LLB Bean Birding Festival on Twitter and Facebook. Talkin' Birds will also be at the festival on Sunday the 29th for a live broadcast starting at 9.30. So join the crew for a great show. Today I'm featuring Olympic National Park located in Northwest Washington State. Encompassing an ocean with sandy beaches, rainforests, and glaciers, the park boasts a checklist of over 350 species of birds from black oyster catchers to Cassin's auklets, black-throated gray warblers, and chestnut-backed chickadees. Visit the Olympic National Park website at nps.gov slash o l y m to find more about this great park and visit everykidnapark.gov for more information and to print your free park pass. The oldest sponsored bird count in North America, the Great Canadian Birdathon hosted by Bird Studies Canada is now underway. I've participated for four years and this spring I'm raising money for both Bird Studies Canada and the Calgary Bird Banding Society here in Alberta. I have $850 left to raise towards my goal of $1,575. So if you're interested in helping bird conservation in Canada, you can find my sponsor page on my blog, prairiebirdr.com. Thank you very much for your consideration. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time.
2: Thank you, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to visit Charlotte's blog. You will be glad you did. It's easy to find at PrairieBirder. In just a few seconds, we'll meet the bird in the hoodie. Today's featured feathered friend, Talking Birds, is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. The red, the red t-shirt, or come to the woods or you won't see me. Those are a couple of the mnemonics, or ways to remember the song of today's featured feathered friend, the hooded warbler. If you do come to the woods to see the hooded warbler, Look in areas of dense understory, often near water, for a male with an unmistakable black hood extending all the way down around the neck and up under the bill, surrounding a bright yellow face. The females have a subdued olive-colored hood. And look for the white outer tail feathers which are exposed when the bird engages in its habit of fanning its tail while foraging. Warblers manage to coexist Partly because they partition the areas in which they feed. Some high up in a tree, others at mid-level, and still others way down low. Our featured feathered friend does this even within its own species, with the male usually foraging for insects near the treetops and the females near the ground. And let's see if those mnemonics, the red, the red t-shirt, or come to the woods or you won't see me, really help in identifying the song of this beautiful little bird. Did they help? It's today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, Cetofica citrina, the hooded warbler. Thanks again for being with us for our show number 575. Hope you'll visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com, that's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com to download your free app today. Well, the tallest bird in North America is the whooping crane. We met that bird a few minutes ago. Nearly five feet tall. And it's been in trouble for a long time. It's an endangered species pushed to the brink of extinction by hunting and loss of habitat. Just 21 wild and two captive whooping cranes were in existence in 1941. The good news is conservation efforts have led to some recovery. As of 2011, there were An estimated 437 birds in the wild, more than 165 in captivity. How are they doing in 2016? Let's see if we can find out with our guest Ken Lavish from the Patuxent National Wildlife Research Refuge in Laurel, Maryland. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Ray. Great to talk to you again. We still remember fondly our visit to Patuxent some months ago. Hope to get back down there again, but Ken, you have some some good news to report to us.
5: Oh, yes. Uh, We have quite a bit of good news uh, this year. Um, You mentioned uh, about our birds. Uh, We're up over 600 total. Hmm. Um, That's both captive and wild. Um, But um, we've been putting some birds in Louisiana since 2011, and the really good news there is that um the birds that came from the um two have paired off and they have um two chicks which is very unusual mm. but it's also very heartening um the parents uh, the the female is 4 years old and the male is only 3 which is mm. actually quite young for um having children in the whooping crane world. Hmm.
2: And what, 29 eggs, I think you've told me, you hatched this year, uh, so far this year, compared to uh, yes. 23 we, in we all of 29. last year. Yeah, I'm sorry? Yeah, only 23 in all of last year.
5: Uh, yes, and, um, you know, that 29 may be out of date. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that was as of Friday night. Uh, we had uh, 29 pop out. And there'll be uh, quite a few more um, we're looking for um, throughout the rest of um, May and then a bit into June. So
2: some of these eggs ship to Patuxent from up in Wisconsin, right? Then the Cedar Wildlife Refuge, and then you guys kind of take over from there.
5: Uh, Yes. Um, We've had some issues with nest abandonment up there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if um, they can find the nest, uh, the eggs are... Um, taken out of the nest and shipped down here to Patuxent or also to um, one of the other uh, partners in saving whooping cranes, the International Crane Foundation in Baraboo, Wisconsin.
2: So there's some changes in going on here because I guess there's been a problem with with the birds raising chicks to the fledgling stage, right? So there's some new methods being put in place. Yes,
5: we're working on uh, a method called uh, parent rearing where the you know, it would be here at Patuxent. When the egg is pipping, it is taken from the incubator and placed with um, some whooping crane parents hmm. who then take over the duties of raising the, the little guys for us. So
1: it's and kind of a,
5: yeah. They won't be subjected to, you know, the the people in costumes mm-hmm. and uh, crane puppet heads and things that we use uh, with the some of the other checks that we're raising.
2: Mm-hmm. So more of a natural method, kind of.
5: Yes, and we're hoping that will uh, lead to uh, better reproductive activity.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you have a big uh, whoop- uh, whooping crane themed event going on uh, next weekend, right, at Patuxent?
5: Yes. Actually, the whole month of May is um, Magnificent Whooping Crane Month. Mm. And on the 20th and 21st, we're having Family Fun Days. And A lot of activities um, you know, for families. We're also having um, a couple of speakers, um, some of the researchers here at Patuxent, Dr. Glenn Olson, who's a research wildlife biologist and veterinarian. He's the one that's actually kind of spearheading the uh, parent-rearing project. Mm-hmm. And we're also having Dr. Sarah Converse, who's a research ecologist here at the Refuge. So that's and next She'll be weekend. talking about the research to advance uh, whooping crane recovery.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so people can show up there next week, right at the at the Patuxent Center.
5: Yes, um, Dr. Olson will be talking at uh, eleven o'clock, and Dr. Converse at one. Uh, the family fun day is actually from ten to two.
2: And that's so, on, um, on Saturday.
5: On Saturday, yes. Oh, and uh, one other thing, Endangered Species Day on the 20th, um, mm-hmm. the uh, our refuge manager will be speaking in the uh, just afternoon. Right, about, that's Brad Knudsen, uh, right? I'm sorry? Brad Knutson. Brad Knudsen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he'll be right. speaking, and then also... Uh, one of the park rangers here, Jeff Bolden, will also be talking about um, endangered species.
2: All right. Finally, Ken, I know that you're the chairman of the Adopt a Hooper Committee. How
5: does one yeah. adopt a hooper,
2: and are they housebroken?
5: Um, no, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, but um, it's, a, um, it's a project that's um, sponsored by the uh, Friends of Patuxent and it's to raise some funds to help pay for the um, whooping crane recovery activities here at the refuge
2: how do people find out about and and become a an adopter
5: you can um, uh, google um, adopt a whooper Mm -hmm. and it'll bring you right to our page and we have a a donation page off of that you know we're kind of old style um, you know we we don't have an online payment system, but mm-hmm. um, you can send in your donations. Okay. And, uh, Adopt a Hooper. They're tax deductible.
2: All right. Adopt a Hooper is what to uh, look for, to do a search for. Ken uh, Lavish is with the, the Patuxent National Wildlife Refuge, Laurel, Maryland. He's a board member of the nonprofit Friends of Patuxent Organization and chairman of the Adopt a Hooper Committee. Thanks, Ken, and keep up the good work. Okay. Thank you, Ray. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one
6: minute. Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. That's because Audubon Park wild bird seed is the finest kind, with more than a dozen selections to choose from, including the popular fruit and nut, songbird and cardinal, and no-waste patio blends. Human development and climate change are having increasing impacts on wild birds, feeding the hummers, chickadees, goldfinches, cardinals, and all the beautiful and fascinating birds in your backyard really helps them survive and thrive. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. Audubon Park wild bird food is made right here in the USA. Get some for your backyard birds Today, Audubon Park Wild Bird Food.
2: Talking Birds is made possible by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study appreciation and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. You're eligible on the Mystery Bird Contest if you haven't won here within six months. And remember, you can hear our show live wherever you are on Sunday morning. Go to talkingbirds.com and see how easy it is to do. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. If you have any inkling at all about our mystery bird, call us as soon as you can. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. 781-837-4900. Here's the bird. By the way, our prize is the Droll Yankees Bird Lovers Bottom-Up Finch Feeder. Goldfinches love this feeder because they can feed upside down while other less desirable birds uh, cannot do that. So That's our prize, 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a small songbird that breeds in northeast mixed coniferous and deciduous forests where it feeds on insects and spiders. Here's the big hint. Our very colorful bird which winters in the tropics and nests over much of the U.S. and Canada has an orange throat. A yellow-orange eyebrow, a small black face mask, a black back, and broad white wing bars. Pretty spectacular little bird. What do you think it is? Tell us or take a guess at 781 837 Meanwhile, we're going to talk about another very colorful bird with our man, Mike O'Connor. And let's ask Mike live in just one minute. <coughs>
3: I'm Katie Fallon, author, wildlife rehabilitator, and bird watcher. Some of my favorite songbirds are in trouble. The cerulean warbler, the wood thrush, the golden-winged warbler. Fewer and fewer of these birds return each spring to our forests and farms. The perils they face seem almost insurmountable. Deforestation, loss of habitat, and climate change. The good news is that we can help these migratory birds by drinking coffee certified as bird-friendly. The bird-friendly label means that the coffee beans were grown in a way that protects important habitat in the tropics. Bird-friendly coffee shrubs grow in the shade of the forest's canopy. The trees above the coffee provide homes for overwintering warblers, thrushes, and vireos. A bird-friendly farm also protects the soil and water and creates a healthy working environment. Birds and Beans brand coffee is certified as bird-friendly, organic and fair trade. This rich, flavorful coffee is a win for the coffee drinker, a win for the farmers, a win for the birds and a win for the planet we share.
2: It's time for Mike O'Connor. He's down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike.
3: Hey there, Ray. I like
0: that music, man. It's good that to is, hear it again.
2: Yeah, that's kind of your your music. Cannot be used by anyone else ever. <laughs> anyway.
0: Oh, you know, before we begin, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Jane and Joe from uh, Lake Jackson, Texas. They're big listeners down there, and they stopped in the store. They said the whole family always listens, and they were up here in the Northeast, and they stopped in, and they wanted to,
1: um,
0: you know, get get a big photo session and uh, talk about your show. And they were they were really friendly, and they said the whole family, the grandkids, everybody listens to this show down oh, there. Oh,
2: that is so nice. You got some pictures there. You can send us send it to us.
0: Well, they got to send it to me first.
2: Okay, they send it to you, then you send it to us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> so it's Oriole time, is it? It's Oriole season.
0: Yeah, Baltimore Orioles, not to be confused with that team in Baltimore, the baseball team, but they are the ones that are singing. <laughs> this is prime yeah. time. This is a bird that winters in the tropics and it comes back in the spring, and May is the time to get them because they're coming through, they're migrating or they're returning. And if, if you want to see them, this is your chance. Take an orange, cut it in half. Put out little tiny jars a little dish of jelly or even a a hummingbird feeder that's specially made for orioles that has nectar and they'll come and and they'll eat and you've got a few weeks before they get busy eating bugs and they're a little tougher to, to attract but right now is prime time even if you don't try you'll get them but everybody that puts out feeders gets them in may and, and then they get them, and they're all excited, and then the bugs come out, and the birds switch the bugs, and then they say, where do the birds go? They're still here, <laughs> but they're, they're, less like, they're less active at our feeders. So put out a little bit of uh, orange cut in half, and then some jelly, maybe grape jelly, not orange marmalade, not apple butter, yeah. whatever the hell that is, but just grape, good old grape jelly in a little dish, and they'll come. And then if you have some old yarn or string, cut it and maybe six eight inch length hang that on the bushes and the female will pluck that off to help build her nest and it'll be quite a show for birds that we don't often get to see
2: i guess and they are spectacular to see for sure
0: oh they're gorgeous
2: indeed the baltimore or there's the orchard oriole too not as common but also a beautiful bird that's
0: a little different yeah that's really great to see i don't see many of those so uh, people who see those are lucky
2: thanks for the oriole update mike and don't forget to send those pictures Okay, you got it. We're back to our mystery bird contest here, trying to identify this mystery bird. A small songbird that breeds in northeast mixed coniferous and deciduous forests, feeding on insects and spiders. It's a bird that winters in the tropics, nests over much of the U.S. and Canada. An orange throat, a yellow-orange eyebrow, a small black face mask, a black back, and broad white wing bars. What is that mystery bird 781 uh, 837-4900 is the number to call. And, uh, Tim, who do you think is first? Will that be uh, Dan in out in Oklahoma, where the wind comes right behind the rain? Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. How are things in, in OK, L-A-H-O-M-A?
5: Uh, we, we did have uh, tornadoes come through the area last week. So, last week, yeah. Uh, Thankfully, not real, really any damage. So.
2: All right. Well, that's good to hear. I, mean, I know you got lots and lots of of, 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 of trouble with the twisters out there.
5: Yeah. What do you
2: think, Dan, on our mystery bird here?
5: I'm thinking it's
2: a magnolia warbler. Magnolia warbler. I can see where you're coming from with that, but uh, you didn't quite arrive at the right spot there. All not right. a not a magnolia. Thank you, Dan. All right. Try us again. All right. <laughs> Sounds like it could be a magnolia warbler with some of those colors there. 781-837-4900. I think we have Susan in uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts,
0: the yes, Dorchester
2: hi. neighborhood of Boston. Good morning. Um, good morning, Susan.
0: Good morning.
2: Hi. What do you say our mystery bird is, Susan? My guess was
0: the chestnut-sided warbler.
2: Chestnut-sided. Another top-quality guess, but not quite exactly what we were looking for. Uh, Sorry about that, Susan. Okay. Try us again.
0: It was
2: fun. I will. <laughs> All right. Not a magnolia warbler, not a chestnut-sided warbler. I guess we've established the warbler identity here pretty clearly, but we need to get a little more specific on that. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred is the number. I think we have Jeff in another neighborhood of the city of Austin in uh, Alston. Good morning, Jeff. My guess is definitely going to be wrong. <laughs> definitely. All right. I was going to say Eastern Bluebird. Eastern Bluebird. Now we're moving away from the warbler area. Not an Eastern Bluebird. Okay, try next time. All right, thank you, Jeff. All right, uh, Bluebird, yes, but I think we've kind of established we can say that it's a warbler. But what kind is it? 781-837-4900. Let's see if we can get our winner here. Let's see if we can get a winner meantime, a reminder, one of America's great birding events is coming soon, the Acadia Birding Festival at beautiful Acadia National Park in Maine, June 1st through June 7th for birders of all levels with field trips, workshops, presentations, even a special pelagic seabird boat trip. Find out more at com. That's AcadiaBirdingFestival.com. 781-837-4900 is our number. Tim is writing feverishly in there to see if we can get another caller on the line here and see what we have and it is uh andy in ocean bluff massachusetts good morning andy uh morning Greg. good morning how about our mystery bird andy uh, i think it's a bay breasted wobbler bay breasted also not quite correct can we do a drawing tim and determine a winner here thanks for the call andy all right thank you all right, right. Uh, the uh, correct answer is the Blackburnian Warbler, the Blackburnian Warbler, and uh, we've done a drawing. Tim has uh, taken care of that, and Susan is our winner. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. We'll send you that uh, beautiful drill Yankees feeder. Time is up. Thanks for being with us, executive producer Mark Duffield, our associate producer, Debbie Bleacher, our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. bird
1: show. I like that. I love
0: that. Ray Brown's
1: Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.